Right up. We've been going through the book of Hebrews here, and we've been really slowing down a lot in the chapter 11. Because we're talking a lot about this idea of faith. And if you remember, our definition of faith, faith is a difficult term to define. Difficult term. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jump ahead to verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith, trusting and believing in what you cannot see. So therefore, we're having to talk about faith in God, faith in our relationship and walk with Christ. But all of you have exhibited some type of faith as you came in this room. And I use this example every Wednesday night. You come in, you sit down on these chairs, you have faith... That they will hold you and support you. You have faith that these walls are going to stand up. You have faith that this roof is not going to collapse on top of you this evening. You're all exhibiting faith in some type of manner. So therefore, when I come to you and say, listen, you are an eternal being that will live on forever. So therefore, you're making an eternal choice right now on how you want to live this life. That's not so strange. I'm asking you in faith to make a decision. Just like in faith, you made decisions in every aspect of your life today. So what is that definition of faith? Something we don't see, verse 11. Something we hope for. Remember, if you can see it, it's not faith. We were not there when Jesus died on the cross. We were not there when this Bible was written. We were not there when the world was created. But in faith, we believe that. And that's what we have been talking about the last couple weeks. Now, we've been talking specifically about faith in certain areas. First one is salvation. This should be a review for you if you've been with us the last couple weeks. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. Once again, we were not at the cross when Jesus died. We did not see the empty tomb. But in faith, we believe this and trust this to be true. And in faith, we believe that we are saved through faith, through grace. It is not something I can do on my own. Next slide, please, Dustin. This faith then changes how I live, our way of life. This verse right here, Habakkuk 2.4. The just shall live by faith. That's also in Romans. It's also in Hebrews. It's repeated three times in the New Testament. So four times God is telling me, live by faith. Live by faith. And to remind us, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. That's what we're studying here tonight. As we go through these men and women, 40 different characters from the Old Testament, these are all people that lived and walked by faith. And that's who we're going to talk about tonight, specifically Noah. And the last slide... We have to invest in this faith. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. This is something you put effort into. The disciples actually prayed, Lord, increase our faith. So if you just kind of sit there and say, well, I want to have faith. Okay, what are you going to do with that information? I want to have faith. Okay, then I'm going to get in the Word and start studying God's Word. Because I just studied right there that faith comes by being in the Word. I'm going to spend that time in worship and ministry and service and church. Being around other believers. Because that is something I invest in. And as I invest in that, I start seeing the fruit from it. So therefore, when you go through a difficult time and you come to the pastor and the pastor says, have faith. That's when you start drawing out of that faith bank account that you're investing in daily by being in the Word and being in prayer and fellowship and ministry, etc. So when you get up in the morning and you spend time in the Word, you may say, why am I doing this? Because the Holy Spirit will use that amount of time later on your day to minister to others, to minister to your heart. But also then when the going gets tough, you have built up a spiritual bank account of faith that you can start saying, now I'm going to use this in this difficult time. 
So that's what we're talking about here, is making it a part of our life. Not just talking about it, but living it. Go back one slide, if you don't mind, Dustin. I want us to leave this one up as we go through this. Because I want your life to be a life of faith. Now, I want you to prayerfully consider, as we're going through our study here in Hebrews 11, what's the crazy thing that the Lord wants you to do that's going to take faith? Now, I don't mean something crazy like you guys are all going to come up to me and say, I feel led to go be a missionary in Zimbabwe. I don't know why I always pick Zimbabwe, but I always pick Zimbabwe. Because you know what the crazy thing may be? The crazy thing may be, James, I am not a morning person. But in faith, I'm going to get up every morning a half hour early just to spend time with the Lord. That may be crazy for you. What may be crazy for you is to say, listen, this guy is not the guy I want to be with and be married to. But in faith, I'm going to invest in my marriage. That may be crazy to you. You may be saying, listen, right now I am so worked up over this person at work, I cannot stand them. But in faith every day, I'm going to pray on the way to work. Lord, I want to be a witness to this one individual and be a light to them. See, that's something where you're just going to step out in faith and say, this is out of my comfort zone. This is what I would normally not do, but this is what I'm going to do. That's walking in faith and say, Lord, I'm going to trust the unseen And I'm going to trust that as I do this, I invest in this, fruit comes out of it. And it may be days, weeks, months, years down the road, but fruit will come out of it. So last week we got into understanding who Abel was and Enoch was. Tonight we're going to study Noah and how Noah walked in faith. So please look with me here. Hebrews 11, verse 7, but I also want you to be in Ezekiel 14. Hebrews 11, verse 7, by faith. Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah, this man of faith. Now, I want you to understand how big of a deal Noah is. I think in some ways we get so used to the story of Noah, we forget, forget what Noah was really like. Ezekiel 14, please. Now, Ezekiel 14 is kind of an interesting chapter, thrown right in the middle of this very tough, difficult book of prophecy. And what's going on in Ezekiel 14, God says, you know what? I will judge this. And listen to what he says. Ezekiel 14, look in verse 12. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. God says, I will judge the land. And we've seen that throughout history, and we see it right now. God is sovereign, and he says, listen, if you are not going to follow my rules, judgment will come from that. But look at verse 14. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. I find this verse fascinating. Because as a parent, you're never supposed to have a favorite child, right? Never. I got my five boys at home right now. And if they come up to me and say, Dad, who's your favorite? I'll answer them. I'll tell them right now. I really like Tyrus right now. Tyrus is my favorite. Now, you're not supposed to do that as a parent, right? All of you that have kids, oh, I love them all equally. And you know you're lying. You know you're lying. Because you got ones you like a little bit better than others. God's not supposed to play favorites. What does he do in Ezekiel 14? He says, hey, I'm going to mention these three guys. Noah, Daniel, and Job. Now, isn't that fascinating? If you would take Old Testament history up until the book of Ezekiel and say, pick the big three. 
I think you'd probably throw David in that list. You'd probably would throw Moses. I think you'd maybe throw Abraham in, right? I mean, those would be in your top. But it's fascinating that God says, you know what? If the world needed to be judged and land needed to be judged, I would only let Noah, Daniel, and Job get out. And he repeats it. Look at verse 15. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land, and they empty and make it so desolate that no man may pass through because of the beast, even though these three men were in it, as I live, says Lord, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. Well, if I bring a sword on that land and say, sword, go through the land, and I cut off man and beast from it, even though these three men were in it as I live, says the Lord, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. If I send pestilence in the land and pour out my fury on it and blood and cut it off from man and beast, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. That's fascinating to me. So if I see that, it makes me want to stop. And if you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, okay, James, I hear what you're saying. I saw the slide. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. I don't even know where to start. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to pick a book of the Bible. And like right now, I encourage you in January to pick Proverbs. And whatever day of the week it is, you study that chapter. If you're looking for something a little more in depth, how about you do a study on Noah, Daniel, and Job? Because if those three guys, by name... God said, those are the three. There's got to be something special about these three guys. And tonight, we get the blessing of talking about Noah. So now, go with me to Genesis 6 and Hebrews 11. Keep your hand in both places there. Now, as you're going to Genesis 6, let's remind ourselves here of Hebrews 11. One simple little verse on Noah, but look at the description that we have of him. Hebrews 11, verse 6, excuse me, verse 7. By faith, there's our word, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Okay, what are we talking about here? First thing we see, by faith, Noah did all this by faith, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Divinely warned. As you got your hand there in Genesis 6, we're going to be flipping back and forth between uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and Genesis 6. We see God's divine warning here in Genesis chapter 6. Take a look with me, if you will, in verse 13. Because in verse 13, we see God's warning. He says, in verse 13, God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence, and through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. There's your divine warning. Can you imagine being in Noah's position? You're divinely warned by God. We are not told how he was divinely warned. God uses many different ways. He's sent angels before. He has done dreams before. There's been times where he's come down and something in a fancy word. It's called a theophany where God makes an appearance. We don't know how it happened, but he warned Noah of this. Can you imagine being the man to receive that warning? There is a flood coming. It's going to destroy the earth. In fact, it's going to destroy the entire earth. And I want you to build me a boat. Put yourself in this position. What would you do with that information? That's kind of a lot to hear. So he's divinely warned. Now, it says in Hebrews 11, verse 7, divinely warned of things not yet seen. Okay. Put yourself in Noah's position. God comes and says, it's going to rain a whole awful lot, Noah, and there's going to be a flood, and I need you to build me a boat. Okay, quick question to God. What's rain? 
So you've got to remember, according to Genesis 2, at this time, as best as we can figure, the earth did not have rain like we have right now tonight. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that there was this mist that went around the earth, and that's how the earth was watered. There was not rain. And so, therefore, that's why a lot of these guys pre-flood lived 900 plus years. It was a completely different environment. It was a completely different everything. And if you start going after the flood, you start seeing the lifespan start to go down. By the time you get to um, Abraham and Jacob, etc., you're up to like 140 some years. And then by the time you get down to David, when he wrote the Psalms, David said, hey, listen, if you get 70 years, that's normal. If you get 80 years, that's really good. And guess what? That's where we kind of leveled out right now. So back before the flood, there's this mist that is watering the earth and there's no rain. So when God comes and says it's going to rain, what did Noah have to do? He had to, in faith, believe in something he's never seen or experienced. That's amazing. And there's going to be a flood. Well, what's a flood? There's a whole lot of water, Noah. And you're going to build this boat that's going to float on it. See, where Noah built this, as best as we can tell by looking at the geography, there's no large bodies of water near Noah in any way whatsoever. He's hundreds of miles from it. So when it says in Hebrews 11, verse 7, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, don't skip over that. He has to, in faith, believe in something called rain, which he's never experienced. He has to, in faith, believe in something called a flood that he's never experienced. And then he has to take this information that he has never experienced, no one understands, and then try to explain it to everybody else. Guys, God told me there's a lot of rain coming. What's rain? Well, there's going to be a big flood. What's a flood? Well, you better just get on the boat for this rain and flood. We don't know what you're talking about, Noah. That's faith. And so when I talk to you about sometimes living life kind of crazy, that's crazy right there. Never experiencing rain or flood, but understanding that that's what the Lord's going to do and move, and Noah had to be prepared for it. So that's the first thing you see in Noah. By faith, he heeded the warning of things not yet seen. Now, if you have any quick questions, comments about any of this, what we've talked about a little bit before with the geography of the earth, what was going on at that time, before we move on here. All right. So those are the first couple points of Noah. How did he respond to this? It says in verse 7, he responded with godly fear. Now the problem with that word fear, it really creates a, a, a difficult understanding. I remember when I first got saved and the Bible started talking about fearing God. And, and you think of fear as this idea of trembling before the Lord and you're afraid of Him. This word literally means, and some of your translation actually translated this, reverence. A godly reverence. Just keep this simple. God is God. You are not. So therefore, if God says you should do something, then guess what? You should probably do it. Stay here in Hebrews 11. Go back to chapter 10 real quick. Remind yourself of verse 31 of Hebrews 10. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, listen, now please hear the entire teaching point I'm making at this time. We have a God that loves us unconditionally. We have a God that just wants to pour out His grace and mercy on us. There's a God that sent His Son down to die on the cross, and Jesus willfully did it. And we can have salvation through that. And, And you can never fully understand love until you understand that. First John makes it clear, you don't know love until you know God. But on the other hand, too... There is a God that is sovereign. 
that's created the heavens and the earth. And when he says move, you better move. So when I'm doing family counseling with people, and I have parents come up to me and say, listen, I tell my kids to do X, Y, and Z, and they don't do anything, then they do not have much respect, fear, reverence of you. Now, that's we would all agree with that, right? And I hope I'm not picking on anybody here because I don't know if you do this. So if you do this, don't get mad at me because I don't know this. It's like when you're in town and you go to Walmart and you see the parents that count. You know what I'm talking about? Billy, come here. Billy. One, two, Billy. Three. What if you just trained Billy? I got three seconds to do whatever I want. You may be saying, okay, James, you're taking it too far. I'm not, I'm not trying to take it too far. I'm trying to tell you, what did we just teach them? I'm giving you a few seconds here. If you can figure this out, whether you want to do it. Can you imagine God the Father doing this? James, I have led you to go start this ministry over there. Will you do it, James? I don't know, Lord. James, one, two. No. God leads. I respond. He's sovereign. He's God. I'm not. So when it says that Noah, out of godly fear, godly reverence, we can learn from that. It always bothers me when somebody comes up to me and they're in a spiritual situation and they're not doing what is biblically right. And I go up to them and I say, listen, I'm concerned about this. Look at the choices you're making in life. And they say something like this. I know what I'm doing is wrong, but what could you possibly say after that that could defend your actions? I know what I'm doing is wrong. I know the God of the universe and his word has declared what I'm doing is wrong. But then if you know it's wrong, why are we doing it? Or I see people make huge life choices, jobs, relationships, moving, etc. And you say, did you pray about this? Well, I mean, no, not really, but this is something that sounds really good. There's not a lot of godly fear. There's not a lot of godly reverence. That's me making decisions on my own. Jesus takes it one step further in Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, listen, you should fear God. Because he has the power to cast soul into hell. Now, once again, that word fear is to revere, to respect. And I just want to encourage you, learn from Noah's life. He did not halter on any decisions. When God said move, he moved. And when he didn't understand it, he still moved. Rain, flood, I don't get it. But through godly fear, I will do it. And what did he do? Prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Wow. Moved with fear, prepared. Those are verbs. Those mean to do something. The Bible says it took about 120 years. To build this ark. And if you go out and study the genealogy, if I remember correctly, Noah started this without kids. So he built an ark and also had three sons. Okay. Put that into perspective. Building an ark and having children. That's a lot going on. But he moved. He did something. James chapter 3 says, faith without works is dead. I, I just want to encourage you, if there's something the Lord has laid on your heart... That you know there's something in your life that needs to change or something that you want to go do, go deeper, go better on. I hope you have enough faith to, number one, do it. Number two, I hope there's enough godly reverence for you to say, Lord, you called me to do it. I want to do it. But then I hope you actually go do something with it. Noah could have sat here and said, hey, I had this vision from the Lord. There's going to be a flood. There's going to be rain. I'm supposed to build an ark and then do nothing. 
But he moved, he prepared, he put effort into it. And I tell you, what I see, the difference between somebody who is lukewarm in their faith and somebody who is on fire for the Lord is something very simple. The people that are on fire for the Lord, they move when God says move. They don't falter. When God says go, they go. And that's exactly what Noah did right here. And what did he do while also building the ark? He condemned the world. He condemned the world. 2 Peter 2.5 says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Now, I think this is where it gets really important here. Envision this. You're Noah. You get this vision, this dream, this meeting with the Lord. There's going to be a flood. There's going to be rain. You don't know what it is. In faith, you do it. So now you're going out and moving, and you're preparing and building this huge ark. Now, you can't hide this. So you start building an ark. Noah's neighbor Fred swings on by. What you doing, Noah? Build an ark. Why? God told me. Why? There's going to be rain and a flood. What's well, rain and a flood? Well, let me tell you. Hey, Fred's going to go home and tell his wife Sally. Do you know what Noah's doing? He's building an ark. Why? And guess what they're going to say about good old Noah? They're going to say a lot of things about Noah, aren't they? A lot of strange things about Noah. Now, Noah at this time could do many different things. He could come be very angry at what everybody's saying about him. He could kind of disclose it and just kind of close himself off from it. But the Bible said he became a preacher of righteousness. Now, I don't want to add to the scriptures, but what I see is this. Noah's building the ark. The people are walking by saying, Noah, what are you doing? I think Noah stopped and at that time said, let me tell you what I'm doing. God has said judgment is coming upon this earth. And he said the way to survive this judgment that's coming upon this earth is to be in this ark, to be in this boat. And so therefore, I think Noah preached to them. While the world was sinking around them, Noah preached to them. Let's put this all together now. God has asked us to be like Noah. He wants you, number one, to walk in faith. So let's stop right there. Are you willing to walk in faith? Like what we're talking about. Not, not just verbalize it. Not just put half-hearted. I'm saying right here, right now, your life changes on what you do. You no longer serve yourself. Lord, it is you because I want to walk in faith. Because I have godly fear, godly reverence on who you are. You are God. I am not. And I want to live my life for you. And I'm going to move. I'm going to move in my life when you tell me to move. And I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a preacher of righteousness. So every interaction I have has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the Lord. Do it with the Lord. I, I had a situation today. I got out here to church, kind of came out here in a little bit of a hurry, and I didn't pack anything to eat. Now, that never used to bother me. When I was younger, I would go into what I call camel mode. I would just quit eating and quit drinking. I'd get home from church 10, 30, 11 o'clock tonight. I could eat a full meal. wouldn't bother me in any way whatsoever. I'm becoming old and decrepit. I can no longer do that. I can't. And so I had this moment. And I thought, you know what? I need to go get something to eat real quick. I, I need to. And so, Lord, I, there's one option. There's the gas station in Hamler. And I'm not picking on the gas station in Hamler. But I tell everybody all the time when I'm doing financial counseling with them, don't buy stuff at gas stations. It's not. It doesn't fit your budget. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. But guess what? I went up to the gas station. I'm kicking myself. I Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. I almost sent Dawn a text to say, sorry. I'm failing you as the leader of the house by going up to the gas station, wasting money, blah, 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 blah. So I went up, 
And I bought myself a bag of chocolate-covered pretzels. And boy, they were good. I was going to tell you right now, amen, thank you, Jesus. They were really, really good. But everything we do is a walk of faith. So as I'm going up there and kind of saying, I don't really want to do this. I just want to stay. I don't want to do this. Guess what? I run into two people that I know, known one for 20 years. Two people I've had the opportunity to minister to with over the years. Two people that I've seen go up and down, up and down, up and down. And they're walking in relationship with the Lord. And guess what? I have two opportunities then to tell them, you know what? How's life going? Hey, I will pray for your husband. Hey, I will pray for that situation. Right there in the middle of the gas station, walking by faith, just trying to get some chocolate-covered pretzels. God opens a door to stop and say, James, everything you do is a ministry opportunity. Everything. Please don't ever let anything you do in life just become normal. Everything you do is an opportunity to represent Christ in what you do and what you say. And I firmly believe Noah had that. Noah's out there building an ark. People are walking by, mocking, making fun, or maybe sincerely asking questions. I see Noah stopping and saying, let me tell you why I do what I do. Please take that mindset with you as you leave tonight. You are an eternal being making eternal choices That has an eternal effect on every single person you run into. Walk in faith. Walk with a godly reverence. Move. Be a preacher of righteousness. And see what the Lord does. All of a sudden, you're not living for yourself. It's all about Him. And Lord, I love it. That's what we can learn from Noah. Now, we're going to stop here. Anybody have any quick questions, comments about anything we've covered here thus far with Noah? All right. I got one last point I want to make. And it's a pretty quick point. Keep your hand in Genesis 6. Can you go with me to Matthew 24? I believe this is something that needs to be mentioned as we teach about Noah. Because Jesus, when he was talking about end times, he talked about what it would be like in the end times when the world's coming to an end. And he said it would be like the times of Noah. Now, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings as we've been going through the book of Matthew, you know that we just covered this a few weeks ago. But look at Matthew chapter 24. When Jesus is talking about his return, look at verse 37. Matthew 24, verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus is saying, listen, you want to know what it's going to be like when I return? It's going to be like the days of Noah. Verse 38. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. What was he saying? He's saying that people were so focused on just fulfilling their own lives, they did not realize the end of the world was coming via judgment of flood. Up until the day of the flood, giving in marriage and just living life. And do you not see that around you? The people you run into are so focused on themselves, so focused on fulfilling their own wants, they don't realize the end of the world could be coming. What was it like more specifically during the days of Noah? Go back to Genesis chapter 6. Let's talk a little bit what it was like. Genesis 6 verse 1. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. What's the first thing you see about what was going on during the days of Noah? Population explosion. What do we have going on today? Population explosion. Verses 2, the sons of God, so the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and they took wives for them for all whom they chose. We're not going to get into a lot of detail here tonight. It's a different study for a different day. But really what verse 2 is talking about is talking about some sexual morality that was going on. Now you can't ignore that. 
Sexual morality is everywhere we see today. And to sum up what the world was like during the days of Noah, look at verse 5, same chapter, Genesis 6. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Does that not describe the world we live in today? The wickedness of man is great, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So when Jesus says in Matthew 24, if you want to know what it's going to be like when I return, he goes, it's going to be like the days of Noah. No one's thinking about the Lord. They're just going on trying to fulfill their own wants, marriage, life, etc. Sexual morality, population explosion, evil everywhere. That's what's going on right now. So now you have to make a choice. You've been presented the information of Noah's life. You've been presented what the end times will look like. You've been presented this idea of judgment. And God says, in faith, what are you going to do? I hope the choices are going to be like Noah. We will believe in what we have not seen in faith. We will move with godly reverence to say, Lord, I want my life to be yours. I will move. You may not be called to build an ark, and I doubt you are, but you're moved to do something. Something. Like we said earlier, maybe it's big according to the world. You're going to move, start a ministry, I don't know. Or maybe it's just big in your life. I'm going to spend more time with you, Lord. I'm going to love that unlovable person. I'm going to finally talk to that coworker. That's your huge walk of faith. And as Noah was a preacher of righteousness, you're going to look at every opportunity you have, every interaction, quick prayers. Lord, just open up their eyes and ears to you. Lord, just let me be a light and a witness to that person. Everything becomes a preacher of righteousness. And when you look at it from that life, everything you do now is this walk of faith. That's what we can learn from Noah. And once again, please remember Ezekiel 14. Noah, Daniel, Job. There's something about those three guys that God said, these guys, these guys got it. And I just want to encourage you with that. So let's go live it. Let's be like Noah and what we do and say. And let's have that crazy walk of faith as well too. Anybody have any final questions, comments here about anything before we go ahead and close up with a word of prayer? All right. Let's have a word of prayer. And if anybody has anything you want to pray about, I'll stick around for a little bit up here afterwards. Come on up here and pray. If the Lord has laid something on your heart and you just want that accountability and you want that person to pray with you, let's pray that you could go out there and live it in faith. And let me again, once again, just let me repeat. If you're over in the Defiance, Napoleon, Wauseon, I don't know, Liberty area there, and you're interested in maybe something on a Saturday morning, let me know. Love to find a location. Maybe we can meet, get some guys together, and let's just encourage each other in the Lord. And a reminder, too, we're meeting out here Saturday mornings, 9 a.m., men. And I really encourage you guys to be those leaders that God has called us to be. Come on out. Hopefully be blessed by that as well. Hey, let's pray. Lord, we want to do what your word says. We want to walk in faith. We want to have a reverence of you, Lord, to live a life you've called us to do. Lord, whatever you've laid on our hearts right now as individuals, help us to do it and to go out there and to live it and mean it and all we say and do. To never be content, Lord. To never look at you as being common. But to stop and say there's something more. There's something deeper. To really live for you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. Thank you for everybody you brought out tonight. Just keep them safe as they travel home. And we love you and praise you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Hey, you guys have a good week. God bless. If you got anything you're going to pray about, come on up here and love to get a chance to pray with you.